prayer. It's the most ancient tenet of our faith and the most common way to commune with God. Yet, we often find ourselves returning to the same questions about prayer. How do we pray? Why do we pray? And does it really change things? So maybe it's time to refresh our understanding and revitalize our practice of this holy occupation. It's time to talk about prayer. All right. Good morning, everybody. Once again, I I like that bumper music. I I had a microphone. I was about to be like, uh, just add an uh into it because I just felt appropriate. I don't know. Um, I'm Benjamin, one of your pastors here, and I'm just delighted to speak with you anytime that I can. So we had a beautiful gathering last week. Um, It was a rest and worship gathering, and um, it was restful and worshipful, I think. But it's time to get back to our prayer series. Pastor Melody introduced this series a couple of weeks ago. So today, we're going to talk about prayer through the lens of vision up, of vision up. And what I mean by that is, most of you are aware of a framework that we reference a lot around here and build a lot off of, the V3 framework. Vision up, vision in, vision out. Look to him, look like him, look with him. Okay, so today we're focusing on looking to God in prayer. Vision up, prayer. So, but first, uh, being a pastor and uh, holding a microphone and being a dad and now being 40 years old, I think all of that combines to the truth that it's time for some, for some jokes. So, um, no pressure. But, you know, just a fragile middle-aged male ego, you know, needing uh, affirmation up here. But no pressure to laugh or applaud. Uh, All right, some jokes. Let's do it. Prayer jokes. Prayer jokes. Okay, you ready? I don't think you're ready. Near the end of 2019, I was informed via email that 2020 would be the best year ever if I forwarded a prayer to 10 people. My bad, y'all. We could do a a little more than that. Could we do? There we go. I don't care if it's fake. I don't care if it's fake laughter. I don't care. Thank you. Okay, number two. Uh, A guy approached me recently, and he asked for me to pray for his hearing. So I put my hands over his ears, and I prayed. And in a moment of deep faith, I asked the man, my son, how is your hearing now? And he replied, oh, the hearing, it is until next Tuesday. Thank you, Chip. I hear you. I hear you, Chip. Thank you. Okay, one more. One more. Save the best for last. All right, how does a tribe of cannibals end all their prayers before meals? Raw men... Oh, too soon? Too soon since your last traumatic experience with cannibals? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. Maybe. Twinkle. All right. So like the bumper video said, uh, if we're honest, we may wonder 
why it is that we really pray. Maybe prayer is like second nature to some of us. But we, I would venture a guess that in this room and listening online, we're kind of all over the spectrum on where we are with, with prayer. So why is it that we really pray? And why could it feel forced sometimes or prescribed or rote or intimidating or meaningless sometimes? So to shed light on that today, as I said, we're going to talk about prayer that visions up, that looks to God. And we'll do that in three parts, three parts that you'll see on the screen. Sight, confession, and adoration in that order. Sight, confession, and adoration. So through each of those three parts we're going to look at, I hope that we'll see at least this one thing clearly, which is the first purpose of prayer is to vision up or to look to God. The first purpose of prayer is to look to God, to look to him. That's why we begin with sight or what we're calling today sight prayer, sight prayer. And to sort of define that, we'll put this on the screen too, sight prayer is about seeing God for who he is. It's really that simple. Sight prayer is seeing God for who he is. Sight prayer is taking time in my small, located place and time and to look to the almighty God who's bigger than my place and time. But when we do that, we're also looking to a God that calls us by our name and gives us a new name, beloved daughter and beloved son. Brennan Manning puts it like this. We'll put this one up too. He said, we should be astounded at the goodness of God, stunned that he should bother to call us by name, our mouths wide open at his love, bewildered that at this very moment we are standing on holy ground. So I want you to think back to a time or a moment maybe when the grace and mercy of God was so real and hit you so hard that you could just feel it pulsing through you, a time when you knew that he was drawn near to you and you to him. Those moments, they change how we see. I can think of moments for myself. I can think of moments where I had, you know, proved myself to be a liar with my actions when I had hurt people. And when I was desperate to earn back favor and, and do anything that it took, but instead I was offered mercy and grace by people who chose to be Jesus to me in that moment. And that changed how I see. That changed everything about how I see that moment, that day. And when I sight pray, as we're calling it, I'm looking to God as the source of all of that, of every good and perfect gift, of all truth and mercy and favor that exists. But back to the question that we had asked before. So why is it that we really pray? We'll put this on the screen for you. Ultimately, we pray because we have seen Jesus. And we want to talk to the one we had been longing for, the one we were made for, the lover of our souls. Why do we pray? Because we've seen Jesus 
And we want to talk to that guy. That's why. That's why. You know, sight prayer, it may not even consist of many words all the time. It can be more like an ownership within us of the truth of God and the deepest parts of who we are, right? An agreement with the Spirit of God about who He is and then what that means for me. It's an alignment. So here's an example of what we're calling sight prayer today. Here's an example. Um, all right. God, today I look to you. You are the source of everything beautiful, true, and good. Your nature is holy, yet you love me as your child. Keep my eyes on you, your heart, your voice, and your purposes today. Can you see how a prayer like that is a sight prayer? Seeing, looking to God. So that's the first kind of vision up prayer that we're talking about today. When we put many more words to it than that, it starts to become the next kind of vision up prayer, which is confession, confession prayer. Um, now, I know I said I was done with the jokes, but there is one more, and I really like this one, so, <clears throat> and I have the microphone, so too bad. Okay, there was a man who hadn't been to church in a long time, so he thought before attending Mass, he should go to confession with the priest. So he entered the dark confession booth, and he was surprised by what he saw. It was a spacious room with a fancy bar and a leather recliner and a Persian rug. Just then the priest walks in, and the man says, Father, forgive me. It's been a long time since my last confession, but I must say, this confession booth is way nicer than it used to be. The priest looked at the man and said, get out, you idiot. This is my side. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so, some of you um, grew up Catholic, like my wife, and you understand. You understand. But that isn't really <laughs> the type of confession that we're talking about when we say, confession prayer. It can be confessing of sins like that. But um, think of it more as confessing what is true about God and therefore what is true about me. So the sight prayer was like seeing what's true about God, right? A confession prayer is claiming it, confessing it before him in prayer. So several years back, we used to play a song that uh, founding pastor Bobby wrote um, a while back. It's called The Meaning of It All. So here's the chorus of it. It says, you were God and I am not. So I sing for you. God, I live for you. My whole life I count but loss till I sing for you. God, I live for you. Yeah. There was a yeah after that. I just didn't put it on the screen. You're a God and I'm not. That song is a confession prayer. It's confessing what's true, placing us in the creature role, the created role to our creator. That kind of praying, it gets us in step with God. It gets us in step with his nature and his purposes. 
when we start to confess what's true and say it to God. God, this is who you are. I confess it, and I confess who I am. So a few months ago, <clears throat> I was laying down at home, which when I'm at home, I'm usually laying down. So um, nothing's su surprising yet here. But I was laying down, and my son, Killian, the middle one, he came in to give me a hug to say good night. And I was just expecting a good night hug, like a, you know, a couple seconds. Um, but he just kind of like just stayed there and just kind of stayed on top of me and just laid on top of me. And I noticed that he was lingering there and he's a very affectionate kid, but he's getting older, you know, so I just caught my attention that he just was laying on top of me for longer. It's like, well, isn't this a nice surprise? So we stayed like that for a few minutes. We just laid there and it was really peaceful. It was, started to be really healing for my heart. And some time had passed and he said, Daddy, I was trying to let my heart beat with yours. He said, and then I matched my breathing with your breathing. And as he said that, I realized that that had been true, that that was part of what was so peaceful and wonderful about that moment is that he had matched his breathing to my breathing and the rising and falling of my chest. And I said, you know, buddy, it's kind of like when we're praying to God and we're being still with God. That's kind of what that's like. Just allowing ourselves to rest and align our heartbeat with his heartbeat and our breathing with his breathing. That's what confessional prayer can do. We can slow down and allow our breathing to match the Father's breathing. We can do this in nature. We can do this in rest. We can also do it in times of stress and trouble. We can still do it then to be still and sink our breathing and our heartbeat with the Father's. Confessing what's true about God and therefore what's true about us, it helps us to walk then in the light of that truth. So in Job, he has a confession prayer in chapter 42. And remember, Job lost everything, everything, including his health. And he was being condemned by his friends. And finally, he starts to question God. And God gives him this epic, chapters-long poem in response about who God is. So Job answers in, verse, in uh, chapter 42. He says, I'm convinced. Here's the confession part. You can do anything and everything. You see that? I confess that you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. Confessional. You ask, who is this muddying the water, ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes? I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders way over my head. You told me, listen and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions. You give the answers. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll never do that again, I promise. 
I'll never again live on crusts of hearsay, crumbs of rumor. When we enter the space of confession prayer and we start to say, God, this is who you are. In Job's case, you can do everything. No one can upset your plans. Then what starts to happen? We start to see where we're not aligned. We start to see when we confess what's true about him where we're not aligned with that, like Job. And then he goes on to confess What's true about him? Hey, this is true about me. I admit it. I was the one. Forgive me. So here's an example, my example of a confession prayer. God, you are God and I am not. You are wise and you know what you're doing. Your kingdom will come and your will will be done your grace is enough for me, and I receive it freely, knowing that I can't earn it. I confess that I need you every minute of every day. I acknowledge that I depend on your mercy. I depend on your mercy. I agree with you that you are trustworthy and faithful. Do you see how a confession prayer like that can realign us what's true about him and what's true about us in the light of his truth, in the light of his grace. So the first kind of vision of prayer was a sight prayer, right? Simply looking to God with all of our heart and mind and strength. And the second was confession prayer or saying, confessing back to God what's true about him and therefore what's true about me. And that sequence makes sense, like one flows to the, to the next. And when we spend time looking to him and confessing what's true about him, there's something that will start to happen. We will want to respond to that. From there, our confession of the truth leads us to the next place of visioning up, which is adoration, which is worship. See, we, we start to become moved when we really are praying and focusing and meditating on what's good about God, that he is good, and about what's true about God. We start to be overwhelmed with that goodness. We start to, for lack of a better word, feel it. And then in that overflow moment, we respond to that goodness and gratitude and adoration. That's worship, and that's what I mean by adoration prayer. So in our friend Zach that most of us know in his book, Now I See, he talks about adoration being our first position, our first position. That is the starting place that we reorient ourselves to. It's like ballet, right? Charlie, you know what I'm talking about, ballet. Um, no, but we have dancers in here, and you know my daughter Emery, she's dancing right now. Um, so first position, it looks like, I'm, just, I'm not going to do it. Um, but first position is the, like the first thing you learn in ballet, right? Anna, am I right? 
Yeah, she said, she said so. It's true. It's like the first thing that you learn is standing in first position because from that position, you're aligned and all other positions can be learned and accomplished and built off of that. It's like square one, so to speak. So that is what Zach's talking about when he says first position for our souls is adoration. It's adoration prayer. That's what it can become for us. That reorientation to who God is and who we are. Creator, creature. God, not God. Good, made good. So, back to that most basic question that we've been talking about. So, why is it that we really pray? Zach goes on to write this. I'll put it up on the screen for you. It says, we can return or give only from what we have received. We can return or give only from what we have received. So, why do we do adoration prayer because we are returning the love and favor to God that we've already received. You see that? When we're worshiping God in our prayer, we're returning the love and favor that we have already received. So, church, could it stand to reason that if we're having a hard time practicing adoration-type prayer or worshiping, then maybe we have not been in the flow of seeing and confessing God's love for us. Because when we're in the habit of doing that and the practice of doing that, we have something to pour back out at his feet. We have love to return. We have a sp responsive gratitude from a new heart and a life lived to the full in this redemption adventure that we call life. So when we are finding it hard to worship or feel like we're connecting with God, and it just doesn't have to be songs that we're talking about, right? That's a part of praise and a place of worship. But when we're having trouble feeling it, when we're having trouble connecting in adoration with God, maybe we can press pause and return to the posture of seeing and confessing. Of seeing what's true about God and saying what's true about God and therefore us. And let the worship flow from there. You know, adoration, worship, worshipful prayer, it isn't abstract. It's not it isn't abstract. It isn't something that we can conjure either. It is actualized. It's realized in our choice to practice it with humility. You know, I grew up in a wonderful family, and I'm grateful for that every day. But words um, weren't something that there was an abundance of in my family, especially words about feelings. So when I love you was occasionally said, like we, I knew I was loved, but the words didn't 
go around very often. So when that was occasionally said, sometimes I would feel a little awkward. It would feel a little strange. It would feel like too mushy or something because it wasn't a common thing. But we all were getting older, and eventually we got to the season in our family. It was really difficult because my parents' marriage was breaking apart. We are going through that for a long time together. And that's when we started to say it. We started to say, I love you, over and over during that time. We practiced it. We chose to practice it. And now it's the norm for us when we speak and interact with one another. It's more now a first position for us than it ever was before. Because we intentionally and explicitly made it that way, we started to say the words, put words to the feelings that were there. That's what adoration prayer can do for us in our relationship with God. It grounds us in that first position. And it reminds us that our flourishing is relational. It's not circumstantial. It orients us back to relationship with the Creator. Back to the book, now I see. It says, adoration is the response, not the source. Before I get out of my bed in the morning, I choose for my first conversation to be with God. With my eyes up, I orient to reality. Did you hear that? Any orientation less than that, we're not orienting to what is actual, what is true and real, which is creator-God relationship with created me. So he says, with my eyes up, I orient to reality, relationship. I'm still alive. I'm here. I'm grateful. I love him. In this posture, I rise and start my day ready to look more like him. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about doing that. I want you to picture yourself waking up tomorrow and doing that. And I want to invite you to try it because I'm going to do it this week. I started this morning, but it was a little unfair because I already knew that I was going to do this uh, and say this. But I invite you to join me this week in the first conversation when we wake up, orienting to the reality of God and his goodness and that he is in relationship with me and I'm his. I invite you to do that with me this week, tomorrow. Now, some of you may have a morning thing right when you wake up. By all means, carry on. But if you don't, join me in this. Join me in this. So, instead of my example for an adoration prayer, let's go to Psalm 65. Praying the Psalms is a wonderful way to do adoration prayer. 
especially if you feel like you're lacking the words. And maybe you're in that moment where you're not really feeling the flow from the seeing and confessing to adoration. So um, you guys are, uh, I don't know, a touch sleepy maybe perhaps. So we're going to read this together and you're going to like it. Okay? So, and we have to read it. Um, the elders know what I'm talking about when I say we're going to have to read it with gusto. So I make them read stuff with gusto sometimes. So Psalm 65, 1 through 8. You ready? Gusto, I say. All right, adoration prayer. Let's read this praise prayer to God. Here we go. Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. What if we start a day like that? What if we see what's true about God, confess it in the light of that truth, and confess what's true about us in the light of that truth, and then let the adoration flow from there? Because he will call forth those songs of joy. God, I want that. I want you to call forth songs of joy around me and over me and within me. Adoration. So, band, you guys can come back up and get ready. So, vision up prayer. We look to God and we say what we see that's true about him. Then we confess to him and agree with him on what's true about him and therefore true about us. And then we worship and adore him because of what is true. Because of what is true about him and therefore about us. So let's keep learning to pray and resetting this whole idea of prayer that can become so complicated sometimes and so convoluted. Let's keep resetting this idea together as we focus on visioning up in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you. We set our gaze on you. We refocus our eyes and our hearts on you. You are beautiful and you are good. You're so good. Lord, we confess that you are God and that we are not 
and we like it that way. We confess that you are wisdom and we are learning wisdom. That you are truth and we are learning truth. That you are the redeemer and we are the redeemed. And Lord, we adore you. Teach us to offer back to you the love and grace that you lavish on us. You are the greatest and the highest and the worthiest and the most wonderful. We love you. We love you back because you first loved us. Amen.